The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to the final episode of The Writer Files for 2017. I'm still your host, Kelton Reed, to take you on another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers. And in part two of this file, the celebrated cartoonist, writer, and co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Soonish, 10 Emerging Technologies That'll Improve and or ruin everything. Zach Wienersmith took a break to rap with me about writing a research-intensive book with his wife, The Difference Between Nerds and Geeks, and how he draws inspiration for his many, many creative projects. Zach is best known for his popular webcomic, Saturday Morning Breakfast Serial, or SNBC, a geek comic with a vast following. His comics have been featured in The Economist, Glamour, Boing Boing, The Washington Post, Freakonomics, and many others. His wife is noted research scientist Kelly Wiener-Smith, who is also a guest on this show, a top 20 podcast host and co-author of their best-selling book, Soonish, a book recently named uh, Wall Street Journal Best Science Book of the Year. The book is described as a hilariously illustrated investigation into future technologies from how to fling a ship into deep space on the cheap to 3D organ printing. NPR said of the book, the Wiener Smiths lay out clearly and with a wry sense of humor exactly what it might take to get us there. Zach also recently published a tongue-in-cheek sequel to Soonish titled Science Abridged Beyond the Point of Usefulness, a pocket-sized book that neatly summarizes every major field of science for your favorite science nerd. In part two of this file, Zach and I discuss how to think about writer's block proactively, the author's love and need for writing in the cloud, how Zach picks his creative projects and why he can't unwind at night, why the secret to creativity boils down to two important ingredients, the virtues of writing prose in comparison to writing for the screen, and how to answer the question, should I be a writer? If you missed the first half of the show, you can find it in the archives, on Apple Podcasts, and in the show notes, and all past episodes of The Writer Files are on writerfiles.fm for you to reference whenever you need a little perspective. Stay tuned. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, 
See for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. Have you ever run up against uh, writer's block? Um, uh, yes and no. I'm, I'm not a huge believer in the idea of, of writer's... Well, I should say what I mean is um, I, I, I don't like the term because it sort of externalizes it like as if it's like a, you know, the flu. Um, and you, it could just yeah. come and sweep into your life. And I, 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 <laughs> I think it's, a better way to think about it would be like, if you have writer's block, how are you failing to manage your own mental output? Yeah. Um, so, so for me, I find, I think, I mean, I, 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 I would love one day to like actually crunch some numbers on this, but I think um, if I'm not doing two things that I tend to have what you could call writer's block. And one thing is just generally reading enough stuff. Um, I try to read three to five books a week if I can. And if I get too far off that I find I have trouble, especially after a while, like for a week or two, I can kind of float. Um, but then after a while it catches up with me. Uh, the other thing is um, if the right, if, if the reading is not challenging or interesting enough, like if I'm just reading stuff I'm already familiar with um, or, or reading sort of like bad light fiction or something, you know, that then it doesn't do much for me idea wise. Um, so if, if I'm reading a lot of books that are interesting and, 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 you know, new to me and challenging, then I, I find I hardly ever have trouble writing. But when I'm not, I, I do. And I, I, I suspect that that's not universal, but I'm, I, I, I suspect for any given person, there's a something that you're not doing if you feel you have writer's block. Yeah. Uh, it might be hard to figure out what it is, but I think, you know, it, you don't want to externalize it like it's something that afflicted you. Uh, you you've afflicted yourself, uh, even if it's unwitting. <laughs> well put, well put. So, uh, I understand, well, I think Kelly brought up the fact that you are a house divided as far as, um, the, uh, type of, uh, hardware you're using over there, uh, <laughs> between the Mac and the PC. Are you the, yes. are you the PC guy? Uh, I, not even, I'm, I'm like a Chrome guy. I, 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 I'm, I'm, we have, we have, so it, it boils down to different views of the universe. You see, uh, <laughs> Kelly is a Mac person because she likes to buy nice things and then take care of them. And I, every time I've tried to buy something nice, I have broken it. Um, so, so I've taken the rational approach of buying a Chromebook, which if you don't know, is like a, a reasonably nice laptop that costs about $200. No. And the beauty of it is if you like set it on fire, you can go buy another one that day. And it's as if it's the same machine because it's all on the cloud. Right. Um, so, um, so I, <laughs> Uh, th that, that's a little more in tune with my personality. I, I do use a PC for my desktop at home because I have to. Um, but but most of my work is done on a little, you know, cheapo Chromebook that I don't have to worry about breaking. Nice. Yeah, no, I've heard that uh, before. Um, it was a sci-fi author. I think it was uh, John Scalzi. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, he uses the Chromebook. He just yeah. is like, yeah, I lose them and... Uh, I'm, yep. not I'm not buying expensive uh, <laughs> stuff anymore. It's pretty funny. He's like the absent-minded professor. Yep. Um, so I guess I didn't ask you, do you have an office, like a dedicated? Uh, sort of. Um, you know, because um, we're both portable, we have moved a lot. I think in, in, in the 10 years or so of our relationship, we've moved like eight times um, because Kelly is a research scientist and research scientists go where the research is yeah. uh, and I get dragged along. So if, if, if you had asked me at our last place, I was literally working in a closet and I, and to be clear, not like a room meant to be a closet, like a, a an actively functioning closet, uh, was my workspace for a while because, um, 
Most, we, we had a reasonably good sized place, but with, with the kids, you have to sort of give priority to them having places to have privacy and that sort of thing. No. Um, and in our new place, I have a shared office with Kelly just uh, downstairs. We have a finished basement. We uh, sit there. There's a little tiny window, so it's not completely cave-like. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, nothing too fancy. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. All right. How does Zach Wiener Smith unwind at the end of a long day of creating <laughs> lately I, I lately i more or less go straight to bed um i do like playing with my kids uh but i i my ideal i mean playing with kids is obviously the ideal but by the end of the day they're not always the most fun to play with <laughs> um <laughs> that's uh I, for, you know people don't have kids don't know this but kids get like bonkers as they get close to sleep they get like manic and uh at least my kids do yeah um but a nice relaxing day i'd love to uh i've, I've like topics I'm interested in researching or, or like, uh, Oh, little recreational math puzzles. I enjoy that sort of thing. I, I kind of don't, this is going to sound like nuts, but I really don't, um, I don't like unwinding. Exactly. I find, I find I get punchy. I've like, I'm like, I've like the inverse. If I'm away from my work too long, <laughs> I get really like, that makes me anxious. I don't get anxious hmm. when I'm working. Um, uh, I, like I, I, the thing is, like at this point in my career, I I, I only ever picked up pro- pick up projects because I love them mm-hmm. um, and I really care about them. So um, I don't I don't in any way want to be away from my work. I find my work very enjoyable, and uh, that's so cool. I, uh, I uh, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't do a lot of unwinding. I guess uh, <laughs> I, I find unwinding to um, to be sort of stressful, uh, uh, at least for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I got a couple creativity questions for you because it seems like creativity is. Uh, kind of interwoven into um, so many of the projects that you're involved in. What can you define creativity? Uh, kind of, <laughs> kind of in your own estimation. I know it's 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't even usually use that word when I talk about what I do. I, I feel like it's sort of unfortunately narrow because um, usually when people use the word, they're talking about something like creativity in the arts, uh, in the humanities in particular, you know, but that's, that's obviously quite limiting. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I, I suppose in the case of what I, what I mostly do is comedy and, and the thing that makes comedy sort of interesting as a, as a, as a project is, um, the, the trick of comedy is, is surprising people, uh, which is um, hard to do in a way that's enjoyable. I mean, obviously you can surprise people in a sort of daft way, uh, but um, <laughs> the sort of essence of comedy is surprising people with sense. Do you know what I mean? Like a good, yeah. a good um, drawn out story joke has a punchline that remakes the sense of the joke, but still makes sense. Um, and that's, that's for whatever reason, that's why you laugh, you know? Uh, and so it, it becomes sort of almost like, um, like puzzle solving or like a logic problem. And that's fun. Um, so, uh, but I, uh, in terms of creativity, um, as usually thought about, I guess what, what, what I try to tell people is it's, it's almost impossible to kind of actively come up with ideas. It's much better to expose yourself to a lot, have a lot of things in your head that could be knocked against each other, have a lot of lenses to take different views on things. Sure. Um, and then, and then you can sort of come up with lots of ideas, most of which are, are garbage, um, and then the skill becomes um, editing, uh, figuring out what was good and, and, and kind of um, dusting it off and uh, making it look nice for presentation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do find it interesting that you also did uh, sketch comedy. Um, <laughs> and that seems like kind of hand in hand with, with you know, um, juggling multiple things, imp improvisation or um, finding, <laughs> finding the funny kind of on the fly. Um, did you find, are you still doing the sketch comedy? No, we stopped doing that a few years ago. Uh, it, unfortunately it never made a profit, uh, and was, was quite labor intensive. Um, no. and very difficult. I should say, I, I actually find, um, I, I don't know that there's very much harder than writing sketch comedy. Cause it, it, I mean, comics is kind of in a similar bin, but sketch comedy, it's like you, every week you're starting from nothing. You, you know, you have to come up with completely independent scenarios and characters, and uh, it's quite difficult. Uh, and uh, and unfortunately, we just we just um, it's it's also quite expensive. One of the virtues of comics or prose writing is that there's basically no overhead. Right. Uh, you know, anything film related. I mean, it's it's gotten cheaper over time, but it's still quite expensive to have a, a decent crew. Um, so so no, we, we stopped doing that. I, I think that was probably my one brush with with film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know, some things you have to get out of your system, I suppose. Do you have a creative muse at the moment? something that's kind of driving you or some idea that's haunting your oh, oh i always have i always have more ideas than i can bear i um uh, you mean you mean something i'm thinking about a lot lately or uh... yeah i don't know just something that that's kind of spurring your creativity sometimes it is you know sometimes it is the reading piece that kind mm -hmm. of uh inspires i don't know something that's inspiring you or or kind of uh putting some wind into your sure sales. um i mean i have i have i have sort of authors i think about often but um yeah in, in terms of stuff i i've, I've gotten into lately as, as part of doing soonish we, we started on this chapter about quantum computing um which is a, a a subject that's generally incorrectly portrayed to the public uh but is in fact quite interesting what it is is, is a lot more interesting than what you usually get out of a pop science explanation and um so we ended up not doing the chapter. It, it practically killed me because I, I think, I, so I was the one doing the research on that and it took about two months mm -hmm. for me to like, it's where I felt like I could kind of maybe sort of talk about it sort of kind of, um, but it's quite a difficult topic. Um, kind of requires you to know a, a decent amount of 
uh, quantum stuff and computing stuff and mathematical stuff. Uh, and then the, uh, synthesizing them together is even harder still. Hmm. Um, but it was just, it was an enthralling topic. I remember when I had to move on to another topic because it was clear it couldn't be done as a chapter. It was, it was sort of like, you know, um, <laughs> sailing away from a shore or something like I found this really nice thing, this nice mental place that I had to leave. So I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> now that, now that the, uh, the tempest is over, kind of return to it and, uh, and just enjoy it. Uh, or see if something comes of it. I mean, it's such a fascinating concept. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll come up with something for it, but uh, mostly I'm just enjoying trying to understand it. Nice. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned you're reading a couple books. And it's something you're stuck on. Something sitting on your bedside table. A couple authors. Sure. Uh, what am I? Re- so I, I always have a couple of books I'm reading at the same time because um, you know I, I, I like to have something that's a little dense and then something that's a little light and and some other stuff. So I'm. Uh, what am I reading currently? I'm reading a collection of um, Jorge Luis Borges nonfiction uh, essays. Hmm. Uh, I'm reading. Um, I'm reading. Uh, There's an author who was was well known in the 19th century, but has kind of disappeared now. Named George MacDonald, um, but he's cited by Tolkien and Lewis as kind of the inspiration. And I, a book of his called *The Princess and the Goblin*. I think Tolkien explicitly cited it as the inspiration for how he portrayed goblins in his writing. Hmm. Um, but he's very he's very 19th century. You wouldn't want to read him now. He's quite boring. Uh, he, he sort of expects you to have an attention span, which is a, a thing you could do in the 19th century. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm reading his his sort of book that's in, it's called Fantasties, and it's um, sometimes cited as sort of the the initial book in the fantasy genre, um, uh, but but very much forgotten. It's 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 a very strange book. Uh, a bit harder to follow the thread, but I understand Tolkien and Lewis both loved it. Um, and then I'm, I'm going through Shakespeare's sonnets as one does. Um, and then I have, uh, there's a guy named Ray Smolian, who's sort of the, the best, um, logic puzzle guy ever with the possible exception of Martin Gardner. And I'm, I'm kind of slowly one or two per day working through that. And then, uh, oh, and then a wonderful pop science book I'm, I'm rereading called, um, Schrodinger's killer app. Uh, it's a bit of a dorky title, but, hmm. um, by Jonathan Dowling, uh, which is kind of, um, the closest to a layperson's guide to quantum computing, but it, it, it is like, you know, 500 pages and, and fairly thick in places, but, but, <laughs> but quite good. Um, I think that's everything. Um, and audiobook wise, I'm, I'm, I'm going through um, the corpus of, uh, there's an author called Neville Shute. Um, mm-hmm. He's best known for a book called On the Beach, uh, but it, which is, which is unfortunate because it's very uncharacteristic of his writing and it's not his best book, although it's quite good. Um, but I've, I've lately been trying to go through the entire body of work of, of authors because it's, you know, you get an interesting lens on people when you do that. Um, so uh, I've, I've also been going through Philip K. Dick end to end, but it's <laughs> I, I, God bless him. It's mostly garbage. Um, <laughs> Philip K. Dick, I think of is, I think he's just he's so ambitious as an author. It's like the great books are outstanding. They're like symphonies and there are maybe four or five of them. But for all that, there's there's like 40 regrettable uh novels um uh, apparently written in haste in many cases but still you know (laughs) as as sources of of, of the stuff of ideas quite interesting when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I like the uh, kind of the off-portrayed uh, Philip K. Dick of, you know, like fla- flashbacks of him like doing whatever speed and writing these things in a, in a paranoid haze and... Um, they're always so ridiculous. It's like uh, a bit over the top. Um, yeah. So uh, before we wrap um, with some advice to your fellow scribes, how about a f- one fun one? If you could choose one author from any era for an all expense paid dinner to your favorite spots, uh, who would you take and where would you take them? So do I get to go with them or? Uh... Yeah. <laughs> no, it just uh, just uh, send them into yeah. so McDonald's like, oh, you're, you're in the future. Uh, <laughs> of course. Oh man, that's tough. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I, it's it's tough because I'm trying to choose between who I think would be most interesting to talk to and who would be fun to take somewhere. I mean, you, you know, like my gut reaction is you'd want to take Hemingway to Paris, of course. Um, <laughs> There's an author, uh, another all but for you know who who pops into my head actually. I'm almost completely forgotten author who, who I, I just love dearly, um, named Lilius Haggard. If you've heard of her, it's probably because of her uh, in his day more famous father, H. Ryder Haggard, um, who's was famous. Um, if you're into Victorian lost world literature, that was um, kind of his bag, and he, mm. he's, he's famous especially for two books: one called um, King Solomon's Mines, with the the character Alan Quatermain, and a uh, um, a book called She, which uh, hasn't hasn't kept up quite as well, um, but he, um, so I, I I was I, a long time ago, I don't, well five or ten years ago, I was really dorking out on Henry Ryder Haggard books, and uh, and I, I I found that his daughter, uh, one of his daughters, was named uh, Lilius, and she wrote a, a biography of him called I think it was called The Cloak My Father Left, um, and then I just sort of got into her, and she writes the most beautiful. Um, British country writing. She just a, a British woman lived in the country in Norwich, uh, in East Anglia, and wrote a number of I, what I think would have at the time been called ladies' writing, just sort of um, books about what she was doing with her time on a small farm. Uh, hmm. And it's just the most. It's it's just liquid charm. It's it's hmm. absolutely delightful. It's 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 sort of. It feels like it's not written to impress you. It's just it's just beautiful. It's like a perfect watercolor painting. It's so relaxed and wonderful. Um, and just occasionally, almost as if by accident, quite poetic. Um, so if I, I would love to have been able to uh, to meet her, um, and I, I, but I don't suppose I know where we'd go. I, I, I consider her sort of quintessentially of East Anglia, so I suppose we'd just hang out there. Um, yeah, let's go with that. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, can you offer uh, your fellow, fellow scribes um, any advice on just how to how to keep going, how to keep persevering. Oh, well, you know, it, it helps if uh, your life depends on it. Um, <laughs> I think Christopher Hitchens said somewhere um, that whenever he was asked, um, should I be a writer? His response was always, well, can you imagine doing anything else um, that you uh. would be happy with? Uh, the, the point being like, like it, it, it is, it is a job that's rather hard. It's in a, in a way it can be very degrading work uh, because you're constantly putting yourself out there to be judged. 
um, and you will of course judge yourself more harshly than anyone else. Um, and, and, and to the extent people appreciate your work, they might not tell you, or they might not appreciate it till you're dead. Uh, so, um, it's tough work. You have to really care. Um, I sometimes think of, um, there's a wonderful nonfiction book called the sports gene. Perhaps you've read it. Um, and it has this passage describing this, um, uh, dog who won the, or got his, his owner to win the Iditarod, not because he was athletically gifted, because, but because he would obsessively pull things just even in retirement. Mm would walk around the yard yanking things around. And I feel <laughs> like you have to have the equivalent bug uh, for writing. If you want to be able to make it, you have to, it has to be something you would be doing anyway. Uh, but that failing, uh, if you get a career in it, know that if you fail, uh, your family will, uh, will um, have to make do with less. Um, that can be quite, uh, quite motivating. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe if you don't have that yet, put some sort of uh, noose around your neck, so to speak. It's a big grim, but uh, <laughs> you know, give yourself a little something so that you have to succeed. I don't know. It can be, can be. You, I, I hate to be too draconian about it, but, but you really have to be like. You'll have friends who are like, you should come out with me on the weekend, and you have to be like, I can't because I'm reading some dusty old book, or <laughs> I am trying to write a bad short story that's going to be garbage. Um, you have to be willing to do that sort of thing. Uh, and it's, it's, it's more difficult than it sounds just to say. Um, so that's my advice. Be, be really harsh on yourself, be really judgmental. Um, and, uh, and hopefully that works out. Nice. Nice. Um, well, of course I'm going to point at all the things, the wildly popular webcomic Saturday morning breakfast cereal. I'll link to that. Um, the book, of course, soonish 10 emerging technologies that'll improve and or ruin everything best-selling book uh and uh it's been described as a hilariously illustrated investigation into future technologies from how to fling a ship into deep space on the cheap to 3d organ printing i'm looking forward to that i thought uh the npr quote was great um i think you highlighted on your twitter of course i'll point at your twitter um as well um soonish feels like an inviting primer on current scientific technology, but it also feels like a slightly drunken lecture by a couple of enthusiastic professors. Uh, pretty funny. Pretty. I'll, I'll link to that article as well, that review. So. Yeah, that was, that was one of our favorites. <laughs> Man, I totally forgot to ask um, what you are presently working on. Are you working on another book or are you just... Yeah, um, a couple things. I always have a couple things going, but um, working on another SMBC book um, probably for later 2018. But the, the big side project I have is I'm working with an economist on a nonfiction graphic novel. Uh, and I, I, it's funny, I think I wouldn't have mentioned it, but he's already made it public. He's very, he's a very enthusiastic person. Uh, and I, I, it's a thing I like about him, but, um, it's, um, it's the closest thing to politics I've ever done. It's, mm. it's a sort of pro immigration nonfiction kind of, kind of laying out the case for more open immigration policy. Uh, and so, um, so I am illustrating that. Yeah. Uh, uh well, illustrating and, and, and offering advice on, on page layouts and, and how to word things that sort of thing. But, uh, oh, cool. But, yeah, yeah. So that's my that's my big yeah. side project. I've, I have other things that are a bit too tenebrous. Yeah. To, to I mean, I immediately thought of. Um, I think I have an illustrated edition of Howard Zinn's. Um, oh, I didn't know that had been done. Brief history. What is it? Brief history of uh, a people's history. People's uh, history. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah, there's a great illustrated edition. Um, it's pretty cool. But anyway, I'll, we'll look forward to uh, seeing that one as well. Um, Zach, thanks so much for doing this, man, and. Um, 
best of luck with your future endeavors. Congrats on all your successes. And uh, we appreciate you sharing your uh, wisdom with us. Well, thanks a lot. It was fun to talk. And thank you for joining us for another tour of the writer's process. If you're a fan of the show, please click subscribe and drop us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts. And to leave a comment or a question on any of the episodes or to find all of our past writer interviews, you can head over to writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Bye.